Well, my name is Tom Stout, and uh, I've been serving the Lord in the mission field for almost 28 years. A lot of what I could say about myself, I really would consider filthy rags. So what I thought I would say uh, and tell you is my testimony, but really it's our testimony. And I've, I've shared this, if you have ever heard me speak, this is a lot of times how I begin, because people have a tendency to venerate missionaries and think that there's something special in the kingdom of God. And really, we just have our place in the kingdom of God, and we're being obedient to him. And that's really all that God asks us to be, is obedient to him. So my testimony goes like this. God knew me before the foundation of the world. He formed me in my mother's womb. I was born into sin, and there was nothing I could do about it. I lived a life of a rebellion for a time, saying that I could do it on my own. And then God, in his grace, he touched me. He touched my life, and I realized I needed a Savior because I couldn't do it. And since then, I've been living under his grace and his forgiveness, trying to be obedient to him in the power of the Holy Spirit, failing, being forgiven, failing, being forgiven, failing, being forgiven, because we live under his grace. It's an awesome place to be. And one day, <laughs> I will be resurrected, and I'll have a new body. Woo! Yeah! That'll be a good thing. Not taking any personal responsibility at all, but, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's the best diet plan, and it's coming. So, uh, so praise God for that. And I know that that's my testimony, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, that's your testimony, too. And, you know, we can stand on a lot of our accomplishments and the things that we've done in life, but really the only thing that matters is what God has done in ours. And so uh, praise him for that this morning. Okay, you guys know when I get up to speak that we're going to do something different. And uh, so that's what it's, we're going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you uh, a passage from the Word of God. I'm going to tell it to you twice. And then a third time, we're all going to say it. And we're going to say it back to one another. So if you wore a mask while you're singing, keep that mask on because it's going to be just like singing. You're going to be saying things uh, back to me. And then I'm going to ask you some questions about the Word, and you're going to share your observations or what you're thinking or what God's placing in your heart. And the way we're going to do that so no one has to handle a mic is from where you're seated, you're going to share um, what uh, uh, God's speaking to you or your observation, and there'll be ushers, and they'll be nearer you than I am, and they will hear what you have to say. They'll repeat it into the mic so that those listening at home and those out uh, on one of our uh, annexes will be able to hear as well. And through that time, I'm going to weave in some of the incredible things that I'm privileged to see as a missionary around the world in the way God is working. So let's, let's do a little warm-up here. And we're going to have basically three places up here on this map that I'm calling the stage. Over here is Antioch and Iconium. Say that with me. Antioch and Iconium. Okay, great. Lystra. Lystra. Good. And Derby. Derby. Let's go. Now they arrived at Lystra. And there was a man who was sitting there who was crippled from birth. And he had never walked. And the man was listening to Paul, and 
And Paul looked at him intently, and seeing that the man had faith to be healed, he said, stand up to your feet. And the man leapt up, and he began to walk around. Now when the people saw this, they began to say to themselves in their own language, the gods have come down from heaven and they're walking around like men. And they thought that Barnabas was, uh, was Zeus. And they thought that Paul was Hermes because he was doing a lot of the talking. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at uh, the gate of the city, he wanted to join the crowd and bring sacrifices and garlands to them. Well, when Paul and Barnabas heard about this, they went out into the crowd and they said, what are you doing? We're men just like you. We've come to bring you good news so that you might turn away from these vain things to a living God who created heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. You know, in the past, he let nations do whatever they wanted to do, but he didn't leave them without a testimony or a witness to himself. He's been good to you. He's given you rain and fruitful seasons, and he's satisfied your heart with food and with gladness. Well, after the people heard about this, <laughs> they were scarcely persuaded. Now some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they stirred up the people in Lystra and they stoned Paul and they dragged his body out of the city believing that he was dead. And the disciples gathered around him and he stood up and he went back into the city. And the next day he and Barnabas went to Derby where after preaching the gospel to the whole city and making many disciples, he returned to Lystra and then eventually to Iconium and Antioch. And he was strengthening the disciples that he had made there, encouraging them in their faith and saying, them, saying to them, we're going to have to suffer a lot of difficult things to get to the kingdom of God. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches with prayer and with fasting. He committed, they committed them to Jesus in whom they had believed. That's my story. You're going to say that story real soon. I'm going to say it again. Now when they arrived at Lystra, there was a man who had been crippled from birth and had never walked. And he was listening to what Paul was saying. And Paul looked at him intently and seeing that the man had faith to be healed, he said, stand up to your feet. And the man leapt to his feet and began walking around. Now, <clears throat> when the people uh, heard this and saw that what Paul had done, they said to themselves in their own language, I left that part out the first time, but that's the same. They talked to one another in their own language, and they said, the gods have come to earth, and they're walking around just like men. And they thought that Barnabas was Zeus, and they thought that Paul was Hermes because he did all the talking. And 
the priest of Zeus, which the temple was at the city gate, wanted to bring garlands and sacrifice with the people. And Paul and Barnabas went out into the crowd and said, what are you doing? We're men just like you. We've come to bring you good news that you would turn away from vain things into a living God who created, who created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, God let the nations do what they wanted to do, but he didn't leave them without a witness to himself because he's given you good things. He gave you the rain from heaven. He gave you abundant seasons, and he made your heart satisfied with food and with gladness. And when the people heard this, they were scarcely persuaded. Now, some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came and they stirred up the people and the people stoned Paul and they dragged his body out of the city believing that he was dead. And the disciples stood around him and he stood up and he went back into the city and the next day he and Barnabas went to Derby. And after they had preached the gospel, the message to the people of Derby, to the city, and after making many disciples, he returned back to Lystra and eventually to Iconium and Antioch in order to strengthen the disciples they had made there, encouraging them to be faithful and saying to them, we're going to have to pass through many difficult things to get to the kingdom of God. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches and through prayer and fasting committed them to Jesus in whom they had believed. All right. Third time's a charm, and you're part of the charm. Okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to start telling the story, and I'm going to pause, and you're just going to say out loud the part of the story that comes next. Okay? <clears throat> so let's practice this a little bit here. So when they arrived at... Oh, see, this is already... Woo! When they arrived at Lystra, there was a crippled man who hadn't walked from birth. And he was listening to Paul. And Paul looked at him intently and seeing he had faith to be healed, he said, stand up to your feet. And the man, he leapt up and he began to walk around. And the people saw what Paul had done and they began to talk in their own language and they said, the gods have come down and they're walking around like men and they thought that Barnabas was and they thought that Paul was because he was doing all the talking and the priest of the temple of Zeus which was at the city gate he wanted to bring sacrifice with the crowds and Paul and Barnabas went out of the crowd and they said, he said what are you doing? we're men just like you We've come to give you good news. Turn from these vain things to a, a living God who created and everything in it. And you know, God in the past let the nations, but he didn't leave them without a witness. 
And he said, he's been good to you because he's given you rain from heaven and, and fruitful seasons. And he has satisfied your heart with food and with gladness. Whew. And after the people heard this, they were scarcely persuaded. Now some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they stirred up the people, and they stoned Paul, and they dragged his body out of the city because and the disciples stood around him, and he, and he went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas went to, oh, you guys are good, went to Derby, And there, they preached the word of God to the city and made many disciples. And then they returned to Lystra and eventually, yeah. And he strengthened them. He strengthened the disciples that he had made, encouraging them in their faith and saying to them, we're going to have to suffer a lot of things to get to the kingdom of God. And then Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches and through prayer and fasting committed them to Jesus in whom they had believed. Amen is right. So thanks for helping me tell that story. One of the things in, when we think about taking the word of God and the gospel to the ends of the earth, we've got to think about what does the ends of the earth look like in these days? You know, in the ends of the earth, first of all, there's no gospel there. Second, it's probably in a, in a language group or a people group that's rather small. We've hit all the big ones. And those people out there Two-thirds of the world, but even more of those that are in the outermost part of the world, do not communicate with any kind of writing. They prefer to listen and learn and learn by listening rather than anything that's written. And what I've done for you here this morning in sharing that passage is exactly what thousands of servants of God are doing around the world as they share the Word of God with people that don't read or write. And so, that's part of the ministry I'm involved with right now. The ministry is spoken, and spoken worldwide. The ministry that I head up, not spoken worldwide, but the pastor development program, is training pastors how to reach and teach their congregations that don't read and write. So, I want to ask you this morning, and this is where those ushers that have the mics are going to mobilize and I would really would like you to share, because it's going to be really short, which you may want to be eating soon, so, you know, if none of you share, that's okay. We just eat sooner, so no problem. But I want to ask you, as you heard that and the, two times and then, and then told part of that story with me, what do you think, when you think about that story and you think about missions, what in that story reminds you of missions? You can just say it out loud or raise your hand and an usher will get close to you and listen and repeat it into the mic. What in that story reminds you about missions? Come on up here. So I'll, I'll repeat it. That people need God. Is that, did I hear you right? Amen. Amen. What else? She 
She said Paul and, her mission, Paul and his disciples were missionaries. Okay, great. Going. In fact, we often talk about Paul's missionary journeys, right? And they were missionaries. Very true. They were going at that time to the ends of their earth. Good. Okay, there's power and testimony from God's people. Awesome. Thank you. Ooh, you won't always be accepted. Good. People couldn't keep Paul down because God was there. I want to I park on that for just a little bit because one of the things we say as, is our vision statement for Rosedale Bible Church is desperate to reach the lost. When you look at this story of Paul and Barnabas, do you see a desperation there? Tell me what part of the story you see Paul's desperation to reach the lost. What makes you think that he's desperate? <laughs> he gets up after a mild stoning <laughs> where they thought he was dead and they dragged him out of the city. Exactly. And I was, I was talking with John Doobie and I don't think, I know, I think that there are two places where people in the Bible have survived a stoning. I don't know where the, the second one is, but this is one of them. So, okay, yeah, pretty desperate to reach the lost. It's not so much that he got the stoning, it was that he got back up and he went back to the city. What in the world? Desperate to reach the lost, good. What else reminds us of missions? People were scarcely persuaded. People, say again, Tim. Scarcely persuaded. Scarcely persuaded. That's all we're asked to do, is to present the gospel, say what the truth is, and if people don't want to accept that, that's their responsibility before God. It's not my responsibility before them. Good. So they were scarcely persuaded. Pretty discouraging, I would think. Ah, in that scarcity, there were a few. What part, Dick, what part of the story tells you that there were a few? Yeah, the, the, the Word of God says that after he preached the Word of God in Derby to the city, and after he made many disciples there, so we know that happened there, he went back to Lystra and eventually Iconium and Antioch to strengthen the disciples. Exactly right. So there were people that believed. There were people believed. Good. Any other observations? Ways that this passage reminds us of missions? Yeah, Judy. Okay, so there's an observation. He appointed, they appointed elders for them in each church. And we don't know the time between uh, Lystra and uh, Derby and Derby and Antioch and those places. Uh, at least I don't know them. Kindle probably does. I don't know them. But, <clears throat> but, but what we do know is it certainly wasn't 70 years of history or 50 years of history like Rosedale Bible Church has. These are people that came to know the Lord. They formed into groups, ecclesias, groups of believers. And Paul went back and appointed elders to them. You know, in the, let's, let's talk about the Tsamai. The Tsamai people of Ethiopia. 
God is doing a work among them. You know why he's doing a work among them? Because the Borana people of Ethiopia, who is another unreached group, where there were some that were persuaded and believed in Christ, they said, we have got to reach the Tzimai. And so the Tzimai, these are, you want to, these are National Geographic folks you think about when you hold them in your minds. They're herdsmen, and they are as remote and rural as you can imagine. And when they form a church, when they form a group of believers, that's a church. When we talk about, when I talk with the director, uh, my director in, in uh, Nigeria, and we're trying to, North Americans were fascinated about statistics, and so they want to know how many churches were planted. What a, what a wacky concept that is. And so we asked them, well, what, what is a church? When do you consider a church is planted? And they said, when 10 or more people are gathering to listen to the word of God and follow Jesus Christ. Okay, good, good. All right, what else reminds us of missions in this passage? They misunderstood who Paul and Barnabas were. Very true. And you know, one of the things that we try to do in missions, and really all of us try to do, is we try to put ourselves in the other people's or person's shoes so we can start there trying to understand what they believe and then convince them of the truths of the gospel. But you know what? As I try to understand what people believe, I'm never going to understand it as clearly and completely as they do themselves. And so what Spoken does is we try to come in and we work with young Christian leaders and we say, we want to help you recognize your worldview. Worldview is how you see the world and how that determines the kinds of decisions you make and the kind of actions you take. And so we help them look at their own worldview. Now, how do we do that? Well, we start by looking at bits and pieces of their culture, the things they might sing about, the stories they might tell to each other the chants that they might do, the rituals they practice. And we look at those things and we help them look at those and say, this is what you guys are saying about life, about God, about the hereafter, and we see this in your traditions. And now we want to take a look at the Word of God and say, is there things that these reveal about your culture that are in contradiction to what the Word of God says? And when they identify those things, when they identify how it is in contrast with their worldview, they choose those passages from Scripture and begin to tell others about them. And they start small groups, and they raise up leaders, and they multiply and multiply and multiply. Multiplication is a huge thing that God has been doing around the world forever. It's called discipleship. And one of the things that blows my mind, and God doesn't do this in every place in the same way. But just to show you how big God is and how fast he can move, you know, in Nigeria, in 2016, 2017, we probably had 12 leaders that were trained and were leading small group discussions. And now in Spoken's ministry, and really it's not our ministry, it's their ministry, but in the, in the, in the, the ministry that they started, there are over... 11,000 leaders in Nigeria. And they're in 14, 14 different language groups. 
God can do amazing things. These aren't guaranteed stamps, and we don't need to look at the world and say, how come he's not doing that over here? What's the problem? It's not a problem. It's that God's in charge, and he's going to do it the way and in the timing that he wants to do things. Good. Worldview. We got to, some people say, hey, Tom Stout, he's uh, Barnabas, you know, or he's Hermes, more like it, because I'm doing a lot of talking, right? You know, but we, we have to make sure that people understand the difference between what they believe and what the Bible says. Good. Anything else about this passage? It reminds you of, of he had to go and travel. And you know, he, he, we think of missionaries as people that go and travel. But one of the things that God is doing in amazing ways is we can think about crossing cultural barriers. And in, the, in those times, that meant traveling. You had to do it. But sometimes in today, we have this whole thing called diaspora. All that means is we have a bunch of people from another country, another people group, living in our midst. And so we can have, uh, in Wheaton, Illinois, we can have a huge population of Hmong people from Vietnam that need to be reached with the gospel. So someone who goes there is crossing that barrier. Let me tell you about the Nupe. The Nupe in uh, the center of Nigeria in the Plateau State there, actually in Kogi State, where they are, we started working with Nupe believers, young believers that wanted to take the gospel and the word of God to their, their people. And we working, and we thought we were working with the Nupe, like the center of what was their population. And they told us as we went on and developed that relationship with, no, 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 we're the diaspora. We're the ones that are kind of displaced. If you want to reach our people, you need to go over here. And so we said, whoa, wait a minute. We don't need to go over there. You need to go over there. They said, amen. And so from this small group of Nupe believers, they're having a vision to reach out to a whole bigger population than they are because they have a love for the people. Good. Any other observations? Perseverance and faith. Where do you see that in the story? Okay. Perseverance and faith. So a big picture of that faith is, is that we have uh, the man who's told to get up and stands up. Now, Paul had some discernment there, and he knew that man had faith to follow through on that, and he said, stand up. And God got all the glory there. He set the platform for a discussion about what they believed about God. Good. So it started with faith and then perseverance. We see that in Paul's life, right? Incredibly. This is not the beginning of Paul's story, nor the end of Paul's story. In fact, if you read about what happened to him in Iconium and Antioch before he even got there, it was just more persecution. And if you look at where he was going in his journeys, what was he going to meet? He was going to meet more persecution. So we jump into kind of the middle of Paul's, one of his journeys. Other observations or thoughts about what does this passage speak to us about missions? Let 
me ask you a question. What do you think made Paul so desperate to reach the lost? What was his motivation? I ask no hypothetical questions from here. <laughs> so I will wait. The Lord laid it on his heart. Yes. Yeah, he saw the change in his own life and wanted to pass it on to others. Great. And I missed something over here. Could, that, could you repeat that? The Lord laid it on his heart. So he was responsive to God's prompting in his life. Excellent. Excellent. You know, one of the people say, well, why, Tom, why are you involved in missions? And one of the answers could be because I am desperately in love with Jesus Christ and I want people to know him. But I have to tell you that as a missionary, as just a Christian, as a believer, my love for Jesus ebbs and flows. It is not a constant in terms of its intensity, in terms of what it drives me to do. And so what you said is so true because it is the fact that Paul saw the change that God made in his life. I'm not compelled ultimately by my love for Jesus Christ. I'm compelled by the love of Jesus Christ for me to tell others about him. So we're kind of getting ready to wrap up here. And one of the things that, you know, when we share the Word of God in this way, we talk about moving the Word of God from our ears into our head, from our head into our heart, and from our heart into our hands. Basically, it's talking about believing in obedience. And, you know, if you've heard something from God's Word today that you believe you need to respond to, if you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as desperate as Paul, as Paul, this is a rhetorical question. Don't answer this. I'll answer it. Are you as desperate as Paul? I am not. I am not. Do we serve the same living God who can empower us to do what he's called us to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. God has placed each one of you in your, we say mission field, but I'm not even going to say mission field because when we get all, you know, what's a mission field? But God has a purpose for you in this life. And one of it is, one of them is to bring, well, the ultimate aim is to bring glory to his name. And it's to tell other people about the hope that's within you. It's to tell them not so much about how you love Jesus, but how much Jesus loves you. And that's transformative because it's the gospel. You know, God knows people before the foundation of the world. He forms them in their mother's womb. They're born in sin and can't do anything about it, just like we were. They live lives of rebellion until they understand that they can't do it on their own. And they say, the only thing I can do is believe in you, Lord Jesus, and the sacrifice you made on the cross for me. We need to be expectant that God is going to move just like he did in Lister, Iconium, and Derby. Be expectant about what God's going to do in the lives of those that you're praying for, spending time with, and speaking to about the word of God and about the gospel. Be expectant. And then live sacrificial lives 
Because I will tell you, there is nothing in the world that is more filled with joy and reward than laying absolutely everything down for Jesus Christ.